This is the That I-70 Show pre-show show. I mentioned at the end of last week that I was going to do a mystery segment. And you saw it in the title. We're doing performance reviews. Um, a little bit about why I think this is a good time to do some performance reviews. We've now had 10 listeners. We're in the double digits. We're over 10 listeners. So I think that's exciting. I, I think it also means that as one of the co-hosts, I have a responsibility to make sure that we're delivering a good podcast. So I'm going to be talking about how I think Jackson and Alex have done as co-hosts to this point. I'm going to give them reviews out of five stars. Not all of this is going to be easy for me to talk about because these are my friends, but you know, I think I owe it to the to the fans to to do some inventory. So I'm going to start with Jackson. I think he's the reason that it's become a real thing. Alex and I were supposed to help him record the first podcast we ever did, which didn't happen. We both flaked, and he he did kind of a strong move. He recorded solo. Somehow he had a, like a robot asking him questions on the podcast. He created the cover art. Uh, one thing I got to talk about, the song at the beginning of the show, which I think... It, is probably the best thing we have going for us. It's incredible. I don't even know where he found it. And he's been really organized. We got we've got like a Google Doc. He's coming up with segments. So I've been really impressed. I'm gonna give him 4.5 out of five stars. And unfortunately, I can't give him a perfect rating. Um, I don't know if you guys were listening for episode three, but. At one point during the episode, there's a very jarring noise, which I'm fairly sure came from Jackson's microphone, and I'm going to play the noise so you know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to tone it down, so maybe maybe turn down the volume a little bit, because here it comes. So here's my concern with that noise, and my concern is that I think it could have lost, it could have cost us a listener, and... What I mean by that, I don't. I don't think that someone was listening, and they were like, you know what, that noise was a little bit too much for me. I don't think I'm gonna continue listening to this podcast. I think what probably happened is, you know, this listener was driving, probably along I-70, uh, maybe in, enjoying what they were hearing, but then they they hear this noise, they're startled, and I think what likely happened is they went careening off the side of the road I don't think they've been seen or heard from in weeks and to me that's kind of concerning because we we've just barely broached the double digits and I think another incident like that it could bring us back down to the single digits so that's why I wasn't able to give Jackson a five-star review moving on to Alex here's the word I'm going to use for Alex's performance thus far and that's perfection. Alex is well-spoken, he's organized, he's doing his own segments, and he genuinely knows what he's talking about. Like, when he's talking about these these topics, like, I'm, I'm just engaged, you know? And I find it really impressive, just his depth of knowledge. He's been really accountable and, and just well-prepared overall. So I would say if I had to give Alex a rating out of five stars, I'm going to give him a five-star review because, as I said, I think he's achieved perfection so far. 
And I do have one concern um, with Alex going forward as one of the co-hosts. My, my only concern with Alex is that people have come to expect zero missteps from him. And I think that if there ever were to be even a small misstep, it would be met with a lot of scrutiny. Me personally, I think people expect missteps. You know, if I'm underprepared, no one is surprised. And I'll even admit, I've been underprepared for every single one of our recordings that we've done. And that's something I'm working on. But I think because Alex has done such a perfect job, there are a lot of eyes on him. You know, he's kind of the gold standard. And the other thing I want to mention, when we tell our friends that we have a podcast now, the first question they ask is not, oh, what's it called? You know, like, I would love to listen to it. The first question they ask, why am I not one of the co-hosts? And I think Alex has kind of a target on his back. Like, you want to be a co-host, you know who you have to be. You know who you have to do better than. And so I think he can handle it. I know he's got it in him. But my concern is that we could watch him unravel before our ears. Uh, those are my reviews. Jackson at 4.5 stars out of 5. Alex with a perfect 5. Now you kind of know where where I think we stand with the pod. If someone wants to review me next week, I'm, I'm more than willing to hear what they have to say. And let's get into the normal show. in Wisconsin, in Milwaukee, on the, um, shit, one of the Great Lakes. Lake Michigan. Thank you. Lake Michigan. I caught this one in Lake Michigan. It's been a few months, but um, Sydney's not around, so I'm going to eat it. And for anyone wondering, he's holding a large plate of salmon up to the camera. Are you going to eat this while we're recording? It also looks like you melted some cheese on top of your salmon. (laughs) It's uh, mayo. I, I cook it in uh, tinfoil and and I put mayo in the tinfoil and it keeps the moisture in. It's delicious. But uh, Sydney didn't like it because apparently wild salmon hold that fishy flavor a little bit more. So kind of gamey. Really fishy. Yeah, really gamey. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, do you think you're going to be able to do your Mountain of the Week segment while you're eating your salmon? Because you're, yeah. you're first up here. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, hit us. <laughs> well, this week's Mountain of the Week is Keystone. We were in Keystone this weekend, so I figured I'd give everyone a little update. We actually got to see the mountain, even though we skied Vail. But looking at Keystone, they have had seven inches in the last week. Unfortunately, there's nothing really in the forecast. And since this week is Thanksgiving week, we'll talk about Thanksgiving on the pod tonight. And it's supposed to be a warmer than usual Thanksgiving week in Keystone with highs near 40 degrees and lows in the single digits at night. Looking at the resort, the resort has 12 of 120 trails open and 7 of 20 lifts. Just a reminder, everything is early season right now. You're going to encounter some early season conditions out there. But based on our experience this last weekend in Vail, And since Keystone is actually higher in elevation, we expect that the coverage will actually be pretty good on those few runs that they have open. 
So just something to consider that the scheme might actually exceed your expectations this weekend, though we are projecting that there's going to be a heavy flow of I-70 traffic and skiers on the mountain this weekend. So make sure to stay safe out there, bring your rock skis, and take some warm-up runs before you really get going fast. And here, here comes my, my M&M, which, as we all know, stands for Mounting News in the Mountains. We're, we're, we're working on finding something maybe catchier. Um, I don't think there's anything catchier than that. Yeah, Mounting News in the Mountains, it, it has potential. It's got some uh, ring to it. Everybody loves chocolate. You know, you can't compete with M&Ms. That's true. Mounting News in the Mountains. It, it, it's going to be a household thing before you know it. It could be a household thing. It could be replaced shortly. Um, <laughs> here's my Mounting News in the Mountains. Um this weekend is expected to almost break a record for most traffic ever for this Thanksgiving weekend. Um, AAA is anticipating that it will be just 7,000 people fewer than the record so far. And so about 951,000 people are anticipated to be driving on I-70 or so. Pretty brutal traffic. Um heading into this weekend. One thing that I thought was interesting from this week, uh, Satchel, we learned about a new transit option for getting to the mountains, which we had not previously heard about. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that, the Pegasus ride that we learned about? Yeah, so it, it leaves from Union Station. It's a, it's a bus, and I, I think we found that it'll get you to it'll get you to veil for $20. I think the ticket costs. So if you're planning on driving up alone and it makes sense to go that route, but I think if you're carpooling with like, say three people, then probably still makes more sense financially to just drive up. But I think definitely like probably the best option there is if you're just uh, heading up to the mountain solo. Definitely. It also makes stops in Idaho Springs and in Frisco, and those prices are a little bit less since it's a shorter distance. It leaves every hour from Union Station is my understanding. So that's a plug for the Pegasus ride. It's connected to the Bustang. I know a lot of our listeners have probably seen the Bustang out there on I-70 before. Um, it's a, it, This is a short bus, the Pegasus is, but we've heard good things about it. We talked to a coworker our coworker at Vail who has already taken it. And she said, the seats are super comfy. You can connect to the Wi-Fi on the bus and just sit back and relax on your way to go skiing. So if you are solo and stuck downtown, that's probably a good option for you. And now I think um, Alex has some information regarding a 65-year-old man that he would like to tell us. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Satchel. Um so uh, a, a 65-year-old man named Dave Schott, uh, I think that's how you say his last name, um, but he, uh, he broke a, or he set a Guinness Book of World Record this weekend, uh, Beaver Creek's Terrain Park. He, he's the oldest man to ride a 25-foot or 7.5-meter-long rail, um, so it's pretty cool. He's apparently been, been going to the park for um, a number of years now, been working on kind of hitting rails as he's gotten older. Um, uh, but he's been skiing for 55 years and he, he started skiing, um, freestyle 
freestyle style uh, skiing about 16 years ago. So it's pretty interesting that he's uh, chosen the second kind of half of his ski career to uh, to start hitting stuff in the terrain park rather than, you know, I think most people ski the terrain park in the first half of your ski career. 25 feet, that's like, that's hardcore. Yeah. That's, that's break your hip if you're 20 years old. That's like break every bone in your whole body if you're 65 years old. So that's, that's probably true. (laughs) Um, okay. So I, I think one thing we ran into previously is one of the segments is we ask each other how the weekend is. And the problem we've run into is we pretty much spend every second of every weekend together. So (laughs) I think this is, I think we should just turn this into, this is a recap of the weekend. (laughs) We're not fooling our listeners. Yeah. Because last episode, I I kind of like just froze because I was like, he already knows how my weekend was. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, we on Saturday night, we stayed at, do you guys remember the name of that uh, hotel? I do. Yeah. So um, that was a Vail Resorts Lodge that we booked in Keystone. The rates were actually really good. Again, probably because it's early season, but that was called Keystone Resort and Spa. I will say it felt like a resort and spy. I see that title a lot, but uh, they had two robes hanging in the in the wardrobe of our room. I put that thing on and I was strutting down the hallway and I hardly ever strut. But I think that was the first time I'd ever worn a robe. And I think it just kind of gave me a sense of like who I want to be in the future. <laughs> like I want to own a robe like that one day. <laughs> you could have bought back. it. You could have brought that robe home. Really? Damn, and they had your card too. I don't know why I didn't think of that. And then we had an exceptional dinner, which was at, uh, again, I'm, I don't know the name. The Snake River Lodge. <laughs> the Snake River Lodge. What did you guys think of that? That dinner was delicious. Um, I had the lasagna, and they brought us a really nice piece of bread with honey butter. And we had a, a nice bottle of wine. Granted, this was a pretty uh, pricey dinner for our standards. I'm, we're talking 50-ish dollars for a entree and a bottle of wine. Alex, what was your take on this dinner? Um, I thought it was delicious. I had the baby back ribs, and they were, they were probably some of the best ribs I've ever had. Um, but I'll be honest, like it, it could have been a... $200 bottle of wine, it could have been a $5 bottle of wine, and I would have not been able to tell you the difference. I did the whole swirl, sniff it, sip it, and I was like, sounds good. Like, let's drink it. I was not, you know, I'm not a wine connoisseur. So I get so for uncomfortable me, for with that, like, song and dance of, like, the server bringing over the wine bottle. <laughs> it I, is I, pretty funny. It's like, you know full well I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> well, and she, and she had to have heard Satchel and I being like, Oh yeah, this what's the cheapest one? Oh, it's the thirty-six dollar. Let's get that one. And then she's like, "Oh, you want that bottle?" It's like, "Yeah." It's like, "Yeah, I don't need to like inspect the bottle of wine. You you literally it doesn't even have a cork. It's a screw top. Just just pour it. You know, like it doesn't matter." <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So we talked about this a little bit at dinner, but I guess one thing we got into is we're wondering like, you look at a ski from the '80s and it's pretty obvious that how dated it is 
And so I guess one question we're kind of trying to figure out is will skis continue to develop or have they kind of gotten as far as they will ever go? Because in the end, it's really not that advanced of a piece of technology. But I think, Alex, you had some good things to say about this. Yeah, I thought that I just don't see the like technology changing that much year to year. Like I feel like sometimes they try to make the ski like a little bit lighter or they use a different type of material in the construction, but like what what really out is out there that's gonna like revolutionize a ski other than like cooler graphics every year. I mean to me it seems like the ski is pretty much not changing. It's more like the binding technology and the boot technology that's like that's, you know, has more potential for I don't know changes yeah. going forward. I, yeah. I agree with that, Alex. One one point that I think is really interesting that I just thought of is 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 skiing an industry where the industry moves the technology or is it an an industry where the companies and the technology change the industry? And what I might argue is that it's actually the industry that's driving the innovation in the technology. And by that, what I mean is that there's these trends that happen in the skiing world, right? For example, skis recently have gotten actually shorter. People are preferring to ski on shorter, wider skis. I think there was a time when we were growing up when people preferred skis longer and and it was believed that that was the standard and, and people were choosing skis up to their forehead height. But now kind of nose length is the, is the standard and the, the in trend right now. And I wonder if those types of trends, you know, wider, skinnier, um, shorter, longer, different, different types of camber, um, different rocker patterns, those preferences might actually be what's driving the the ski industry to, to make certain decisions and, and driving these companies to make, make decisions. So they're putting out a ski that people are going to want to ski on. Um, because like you said, Alex, for me, it's really hard to see what trends are progressing right now in terms of the technology getting better. I think one nice thing about skiing too is like, it's not like biking where you need to have, uh, some people think they need to have like four bikes. Um, I just like that it's not quite as trend driven. And I know that your point is that there are kind of like fluctuations in the length, which is, I guess, um, I guess you're, you're not like, I don't personally feel like my gear is dated at all. Um, based on like kind of the smaller things like that. Um, I think overall, like, yeah, the way it performs is pretty much identical. It's just kind of a more of like a minor preference thing in my mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's also interesting to think about too, to your to your most recent point. Is there a trend between people wanting to to have one ski to ski the entire mountain? You know that for example, that would be you and I. Um, we I tend to buy the same type of ski, which is like an all mountain ski. Um, typically, is about a hundred to hundred and ten underfoot, so you can ski um, the groomers, but you can also ski the powder. However, I also know people who have four different pairs of skis 
and they want a ski for the groomers. They want a ski for the powder. They want a ski for the crud. Alex is, is, uh, Maybe someone who I would consider one of these people, um, he might be buying another pair of skis this this season. It sounds like um, Alex. Do you have anything to add here? Uh, I'd like to defend myself and say that I am not someone who has a pair of skis for every day condition. Um, well, you like to match to... your outfit to the particular pair of skis that you're wearing that day too, right? Yeah, that's true. If it's you know if it's a red fit day I go with the red skis if it's yep. a blue fit day I go with the blue skis but um, no I do think you're right though Jackson I I will agree that I have a pair of skis that I would say are more all mountain but on the skinnier side and then I have a pair of skis that are definitely fatter for for a powder day um, and so I will say yeah I have two but uh, I think you are right in that there are people who have their rock skis they have they have a ski for every kind of condition of what they're going to ski um and i think with what's changed with like what you were talking about rocker and camber technology and just kind of length and preference you probably don't need to have that many pairs of skis anymore i mean you could probably ski a 105 underfoot ski all year round in every condition in every you know aspect of the mountain and it probably is going to perform just as well as you know a one oh like a one ten and a one one hundred underfoot ski. You know, mm-hmm. they're probably all gonna be very, very similar. Unless and, and my my only and I'm sure we're pissing some people off on the pod here because there's some people who are like, no, I'm a racer and I'm I'm skiing on you know super G skis that are very specific. And that's not what we're getting at here. We're talking about the the everyday common common folk who are doing skiing as a hobby, I think. Because if you're specializing, if you're competing, you definitely need a specific ski. But for the every everyday person, I, I agree with your point, Alex. Um, but let's think about what has changed because we might be we might just be generalizing a little too much. There has been a few trends recently. For example, on the shovel of the tip of the ski, there's been lots of skis where they're limiting the material on the tails and the tips. Um, I think uh, Rosignol might do some of that. Um, I'm trying to think of the other, maybe Atomic does some of that. And so that is one trend in recent years that has definitely lightened up the ski. And there's a revolutionary new uh, technology called tip tape that I've heard (laughs) about. I I don't know if tip tape is ready to be debuted, Satchel. Okay. We'll we'll save that for pitchers and pitches. We'll say, no, we'll save that till once the pot is huge and everybody's pre-ordering tip tape from our podcast okay just know that if uh the the tips of your skis are getting damaged as you go down to the mountain there's there's an innovation coming your way it's it's actually not called tip tape it's called gear bra that's that's a play off of clear bra that you would put on your car but this is for your skis and it does solve that problem of when when you're going down the mountain Oftentimes people clack their skis together. They chip the tips of them. I mean, look around next time you're skiing. Everyone has damaged tips and tails. This might be the innovation we've all been waiting for. All right, but let me play devil's advocate and say, would you rather have skis that look like you've never skied them before? Or would you rather have skis that look like you've skied them hard and that you, you know, ski some some intense terrain? 
That's true. I'm a little bit proud of how like just trash my skis are. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's some people like you, Satchel, but I think the majority of skiers, and and honestly, skiing is a a expensive sport. So for that reason, people are going to protect their skis if they can, keep that resale value higher. We we trash threes. We trash skis. We throttle skis. That's what Wes would say. Throttle skis. Every season, throttle. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I'm even this product is, uh, you know, I need to test it out more to see if it actually will protect my skis because – even if, if I'm not destroying the tips, I'm destroying the base. I'm destroying the edges. My skis are falling the hell apart. So th- this product definitely still needs some iterations, but it could be coming your way, guys. I wish we could post the clip of Jackson blowing out the edge on his black crow skis because it's not even like he did something that in- that crazy. He just slid down the side of a cliff and then ripped the edge off his ski. And you can see his car keys also flying out of his pocket as he's crashing into powder. <laughs> and then we had to search in this powder field for like 10 minutes for his car keys because he was going to be stuck at the mountain forever. <laughs> those were also the only pair of car keys that I had. And they're those like electric battery keys. So if you lose that thing, it was going to be expensive to replace. I cannot believe we found the keys. And the only reason that we found them was because you took a video and you could see them in the video. We're going to post that video after this pod. You guys can check it out for yourself on uh, instagram we'll put it up on our instagram make sure to give us a follow there that's just a shameless plug (laughs) (laughs) let's move on we have one more m&m segment this is a double m&m day for y'all that's two pieces of chocolate in one segment that's pretty awesome alex what do you have for us today this week was um the world cup over in finland the women's version of the world cup over in finland and um and the men's is coming up next week in Beaver Creek. Um, Alex has given me a look like he doesn't know what we're about to talk about. So I am going to go ahead and do this this read of our news this week. Um, it was a big week for U.S. women's skiing as uh, Michaela Schifrin won her 75th World Cup, which broke Lindsey Vonn's record. Can I ask a quick question? Of course. How does she already have, like, how many World Cups a year are there? Or is Michaela Schifrin, like, 80 years old? Like, how does she have <laughs> How does she have 75 World Cups? That is a very good question. And that's because there are, oh, God, I'm going to butcher this, but four or five different events per year. Um, and there might actually be multiple World Cups in a year as well, like a World Cup in... Uh, in Finland, for example, and then a World Cup in the U.S. But um, yes, it's because there's multiple events. There's uh, let's try to list them off. I'm not a ski racer, so somebody, you know, don't blame me if I get this wrong. But we've got slalom, giant slalom, super giant slalom, and downhill. So that's four different events that she could win at. Little redundant um, on the first three. <laughs> but um, if you do. 75 divided by four, you're looking at 18.75 different events. Does that seem right? That seems still too high. She hasn't, it's 18. She's, there's no way she's skied in 18 and a half um, World Cups. So we're going to have to do some more research on how she actually wins that many. But let me finish the uh, the segment here, which is that 
Uh, Michaela Schifrin claimed her 75th World Cup in Finland on Saturday. Um, that would be uh, November 20, November 19th, Saturday the 19th. She sealed um, she sealed an ele- it with an electrifying second run and broke Lindsey Vaughn's record for the most podiums in a single discipline by a female skier. She's now just seven World Cup wins shy of the American record, which is 82 for a female skier. And she's only 11 between the all-time leader for the most World Cup wins. That is currently held by Sweden's Ingmar Stenmark. So that's some knowledge I just dropped on y'all in terms of uh, World Cup skiing. And one other uh, quick announcement. Um, I'm looking at a picture of her right now. She is attractive. If she's the one I think she is. Is she the blonde one? She's attractive, for sure. She is the blonde one, and she is from Vail, which is why it's so exciting. She actually skied at Ski Club Vail, which is uh, just neighbor to our to our new employer, Satchel. We're, we're breeding the next generation of Olympians. How crazy would that actually be if some kid in, in one of our ski groups was became the next Michaela Schifrin? Oh, I thought you were like talking about like if we had kids. <laughs> no, with Michaela Schifrin, that would be cool. <laughs> oh my God, that would be it. cool. That'd be cooler than teaching <laughs> the next uh, generation of World Cup skiers, actually. <laughs> well, except your kids might be a World Cup skier then. Yeah, let's make this a goal. I think that's we'll a, have a whole I segment. Owning a robe and having a child with Michaela Schifrin are my two goals. Um. I think we could probably call it a week right there. Jackson, do you want to hit us with your your classic uh, exit line? Yeah, I'll hit you guys with the exit line. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, We hope that your week is filled with people as beautiful as Michaela Schifrin. And we will see you guys next week. Have a great Thanksgiving day on Thursday. And pray for snow, y'all. We need it. Thank you.